Hey pals, welcome to episode 17 of the JV Club. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because this is a long episode as it is. Um, I definitely talked a ton with my good friend April Richardson. Um, the time flew by and I I guess I could have made edits for time, but I just um, didn't want to. So hopefully you guys will hang in and enjoy uh, what I think is a pretty lively conversation. I also talk more up top. I... I I had this movie that I, for some reason, felt strongly compelled to talk about and tell April about. And um, if you tuned into this episode specifically to hear April and you're not as familiar with me, I apologize. You just need to hang in there because we do get into uh, April-related stuff. But um, but I do talk for like a few minutes with her about this this movie that was kind of in my mind. Um, for those of you who enjoy the Jen Kirkman episode, I also want to point out that there are a lot of parallels between April and Jen. And it's kind of an interesting coincidence, or maybe it's not a coincidence, that they're both over at Chelsea lately and uh, both two of my favorite female writers and comedians um obviously burning love is still going strong thank you so much for all of the the appreciation and the kind words about that it's just been such a dream um thanks to all the cora fans i hope you guys enjoyed the season finale there will be a season two i'm sure you already know that and i'm super uh super excited because david faustino and pj Byrne and i will be at the comic-con in san diego uh, Friday, July 13th. So hopefully we'll get a chance to meet some of you guys in person. And uh, as usual, I encourage you to check out the uh, Pinterest boards. Thank you, Jules, for those and um, the Facebook page. Uh, shout outs. I wanted to acknowledge um, Chris via Twitter. Uh, Tamara sent me a wonderful Facebook message. Michael Dye. Hannah, your email was lovely, as are all your tweets. Victor and Katie and Jennifer from Facebook. Grant, always love your emails. Ben, Chris N. sent me a wonderful email. Um, And then I just wanted to throw out some shout-outs to some iTunes uh, reviewers. You guys have blown me away. Please do write a review if you see fit. Man, I I just read these this latest round of, of reviews and lost my lost my mind in a good way. Mars four, uh, insert clever name here. Um, Andrew QDFTR, Randy Cynthia, Amanda H, Poverbau, Lore Ha, Jacqueline and Ruben. You guys just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful feedback. So that's it. I'm not going to talk any longer because uh, I want to get right into April's episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, listen, I'm crazy about each and every one of you. I hope you're having a great Thursday. Unless you're listening to this on a different day of the week, in which case, insert day here. Now entering Nerdist.com. Listen, I am here with my dear friend, April Richardson. Hello. She is, uh, she's a a comic, she is a writer, she writes on Chelsea Lately. I know a lot of you guys enjoy that show. She is uh, often seen as a panelist on the show. I imagine you will be seeing her more and more doing that. Yes. Um, How are you doing? (laughs) I mean, I've been better, but I'm good. 
We, uh, April came over a couple of hours ago and both of our voices are hoarse just from hanging out and talking hey, before having we girl started talk. the podcasting process. But now we've, we've, we've put a very strange professional spin on the conversation. Yes. We're like breaking into crisp, professional, serious JV newscaster mode. Yeah. voices yes. where we only talk about the most serious of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm taking a sip of water. Oh, that was great. And I'm chewing gum. There's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of <laughs> stimuli going on in and around my mouthfeeler area. Uh, here's what I'm going to bring up first because I wanted okay. to talk about it and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Okay. And it may go nowhere. All right. But here's what I wanted to say. The other day I did that thing where you are, um, I was wor- I was working on something that I could actually work on with my hands and watch television at the same time because it was right. a little craft. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went down that the rabbit hole of the Netflix streaming world where oh, you watch yes. one thing and then it suggests five other things and then you're like, I know oh, it well. And then you watch a new thing and then that leads to another thing. So I went down that rabbit hole and like a couple of, of steps in, I ended up with this movie called... Um, Shades of Fear, which oh, sounds no. terrible. It sounds terrible, and I had to work past the name. Um, was it a, a documentary or was it a horror movie? It wasn't. Movie? It's actually neither, and that's what's strange about it, is that it is like a British kind of mystery, sort of, but then even that was characterized as a mystery, like it was in the mystery genre. I think I see where you're going with this, by the way. Is this going to be a segue into a story of how we first met? Uh, well, I did think about the fears? I, that's actually okay. what I thought about. Yeah, okay. that, so we will come back around to that. But it is interesting that it ended up having very little to do. Like the name is a it's a rename. It's one of those like, oh, it was a British film. But when it was Americanized, they changed the name and changed the ending somehow. Right. In the 90s. And uh, and so it was called Shades of Fear. And it's this story about, I don't know, based on that name alone, I was like, oh, this can be kind of like an Agatha Christie type British mystery. Right. And it was a great cast. So I start watching it and it becomes very clear right away that it should not be called Shades of Fear. <laughs> at the time I had no idea. What's it, it about? A, at the time I had no idea that it was about, that, that it was a, that that was a different title, that it's not its original title. The original title turns out after I did a little research after the fact is called Great Moments in Aviation. <laughs> Just to show you the difference is that between turned into Shades of Fear. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no, like, how do you get, how do you go down that road? Right. And it's a story about, it, it, it starts, it's a, it's an ocean liner it's an ocean liner story uh it's just it takes place on a boat is what okay. i guess i'm getting at but wait and it takes place on a boat it takes and it's place called on a boat shades what? of fear great moments of in aviation. aviation it's a story uh that it's the boat the boat starts in the caribbean in grenada Grenada, okay. grenada grenada Potato, patata, patata. <laughs> um and it's traveling to uh england and um it's the 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 main character is this uh is this caribbean woman who is allegedly going to find her fortune and meet with her husband to whom she's already married right he's been working in london so she's black and her husband who's also black has been working in some sort of a service industry in london okay and she is ostensibly boarding this this ship to travel to be with him okay and she ends up in this in in her cabin. Her first name is Gabriel. Her name is Gabriel Angel, and um, okay. they think that she's uh, so, so the the stewardship whatever they assume she's a man. So she ends up in the same cabin, this tiny cabin with bunk beds right. with Jonathan right. Price's character. Oh, I okay. love Jonathan Price. What, what what year is it? What this is from like the ninety? Yeah, this oh, okay. is like ninety two or something. Okay, okay. 
Um, although it feels older and it's also set in the 50s. I know it sounds like a real like imitation of life kind of guess who's coming to dinner kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's I don't even know how, it's it's a hard movie to describe and it's not successful in several ways, but um so yeah, so Jonathan Price is her uh is her is her cabin mate and he's sort of mysterious. Right. And it's, there's there's a little sort of like a question of his real identity and then um John Hurd is in it. Mm-hmm. Um and he's kind of trying to figure out who Jonathan Price is and thinks he may be someone from his past. Right. Like, you look very familiar. That's a terrible <laughs> British accent. Um, and then Vanessa Redgrave's in it. So when I was reading that, I was like, oh my God, Jonathan Price, John Hurt, and Vanessa Redgrave, done. Like, I'll totally right. watch it. I love those guys. And it's, so it's this very strange movie that just doesn't end up being about what you think. It's not even really a mystery. It's more about this kind of blossoming relationship between these two characters, this black woman and this... this um, british man who's pretending to be scottish right uh and the great moments in aviation comes in because she actually is an aviatrix because her grandfather was uh was a pilot he essentially flew like crop dusting planes and he would go out when none of the white flyers would go out in terrible weather so that's how he learned to be able and got a job oh okay to be a pilot right and he taught her how to fly so she wants to become a pilot in in britain so it's actually this wonderful feminist, like race positive kind of great story. Right. And um, as I said, it doesn't completely succeed. But when I was researching it today, because I cared about it so much that I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Right. I found out that Jeanette Winterson wrote this film. Oh, Do no you know kidding. Is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her. Yeah. And I know it wasn't paying attention to the credits. So I had no idea she wrote it, but it really makes a lot of like sense. Like it was based off of a book of hers? Or no, she, she wrote, just wrote the, the actual. Film. Oh, yeah, okay. She wrote the film just as a screenplay after the success of Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit from right. the BBC. But uh, like her books. Um, uh, sexing the cherry and the passion and and uh, a couple of other her other novels are like some of the best books I've ever read. Right, I haven't read any of her stuff. Interestingly enough, and along with like bell hooks and stuff, like she, yeah. When I was like way into Pen Pals and Riot Girl and stuff, like she was, and sadly I haven't. Shamefully, I mean I've read when I went to college. I took I double majored in journalism and sociology. Uh, with a concentration of gender and sexuality. So when I was in women's studies classes, I had to read a lot of... I, we didn't read her. I did read a lot of Bell Hooks. God, I can't believe they never had you read her. I'm no, so I excited for Because you I think it was her. more like feminist theory. Like, it was way more academic-minded than kind of, like, prose-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, like, her and Judith Butler and, and like, things like that. Like, more hardcore academic. But, yeah, um, yeah sadly, when I was a teenager, I kind of didn't get that into it. It was really, I mean, like, I read all the time, but I was reading stuff about, you know, music or whatever. Sure, sure. Like, not yeah, yeah. as academically minded as I should have been. Well, I'm not here to chide you for that, but I But that is say, interesting, and that is a book, it's been, it's like the kind of thing that's been on my list forever and a day to read, you know? You should read Orange is Not the Only Fruit, but I will I will tell you, if I may control your experience of Jeanette Winterson now please that do. I've uh, invited myself in to that responsibility, I think I want to start you on, oh, Written on the Body. I okay. should start you instead on Written on the Body. Instead of Orange is Not the Only Fruit? Because everybody has always said that that's something I should Written on the Body is one of the most beautiful and beautifully written books I have ever read it's sexy and strange and um i don't know if any of you listeners have read it but um 
it's kind of heady reading, you know, it's not particularly funny at all, right. but, um, it's just, it's told from, it's, it's a, it's a non-gender specific narrator. So you know that the narrator is in love with a woman, but you have absolutely no idea through the entire book if the person writing is a man or a woman. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, Jeanette Winterson's a woman, but, right. um, and it's really artfully done. And I mean, it is really sexy guys in a very <laughs> poetic gorgeous prose sort of right. way. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and I did actually think, and I wanted, well, and, and that there I did sort of draw the parallel where I was like, because I, I knew obviously what you studied in, in college. So I was right. fairly sure that you would have read her. Now I'm really excited that you haven't and that you can. Um, there's this one thing that happens in, in the movie that um, it's, it's close to the beginning, but there's a scene when she's get this, this Gabriel angel is she, when she's getting ready to leave her, her home, uh, her family in Grenada, they throw this wonderful feast for her. And mm-hmm. I actually was looking up online to see if I could find out what it was based on. If it, assuming that it was based on real tradition, real cultural tradition, because it right. really impacted me. It's her, you know, she's got this family and her family of friends and her mom, I think her, I think it was her mom, not her grandmother, um, sitting around this feast kind of celebrating that she's going away. And then at the end of the dinner, each person from the table comes up and says, I touch you with bravery so that you may, you know, cross the, cross the ocean right. with, with, you know, and like security and does and a different and thing. Someone else Aww. comes up and says, I touch you with children so that you may blah, blah, blah. Right. And it was such a beautiful, like blessing sort of ceremony. And I just thought, um, God, there's, I don't have anything like that really in my life in that way. And I, but I recently right. went to a, uh, my friend's baby shower and she sort of had a similar thing where she had everyone sit in a circle and then all of the people who had been parents in the circle, she had them sort of give her a piece of advice or like some, you know, sort of, and she right. cheekily said like, it's kind of like a blessing, but she was very lighthearted about it. Right. And, um, and I just, I just think that's so, I just love the community of that, the idea of like each person touching you oh, and giving sure. you the gift of something. Right. Right. You know? Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say, no, that's, I'll have to put that in my queue. I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, April, uh, thanks for putting up with all of that. That was 10 minutes. Oh my God. I'm so glad it's over. Jeanette Winterson, shades <laughs> of fear. Why is it called no, shades I'm, of fear? I still don't know. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Um, but no, I'll put, I'll definitely put it in my queue. Here's something that I'm going to volunteer about you, okay. which is interesting for me to this podcast, which is that you are one of my friends who I feel like a lot of, a lot of who you are contextually totally still vibes with exactly who you were when you were a teenager. <laughs> like yes. there's a real consistency of your interests and your passions and stuff. There's a real consistency to it's who true. you were then. A lot and of so, people call it immaturity, but yes. I would not I would not care there is consistency. Such, but I do I just think that's really cool, especially for this podcast because you're just like you just I just feel like, oh, if I had met you, if we had met in high school, we totally would have gotten along the same way we do now. Yeah, and probably. We just would have like yeah. seen and known and understood each other in pretty much the exact same way because you're just you just knew yeah, what you liked of, from a really young age. Yeah. I kinda did. I don't I mean, yeah, not a lot has changed. Um I mean that and that could be good or bad, but as far as just like my core interests really yeah. Let's and talk about that. Why don't you, why don't you acquaint the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the wonderful listeners with um, what I'm talking about? Well, 
I, it's weird to talk about and not sound like, co- like, I'm not trying to sound cocky because, of course, as a teenager, I was just as awkward and weird or whatever as you're supposed to be. But I was kind of okay with it. Like, I kind of was always just like, I'm into weird stuff and that's just how it is. And I wasn't apologetic or ashamed or, you know, when I was a teen, okay, I was a teenager in like, you know, early to mid 90s. And so, well, I'm still obsessed with more. I was obsessed with Morrissey and the Smiths. Um, you know, I, there's still a lot of stuff I've, I was obsessed with, but I was very much like alternative when it really meant something like, you know, I very much watched 120 minutes and dressed like the deal sisters and like really cool to have been, it feels like it was a good time. It was was, because it was like, but the weird thing is, is so I was super into that stuff and I I very much considered myself, I guess, alternative or whatever as dumb as that sounds now, like that was kind of my thing. And I was into, you know, Morrissey and the cure and, you know, whatever. But weirdly, I was also at the same time, I was watching 120 minutes, but then also Yo! TV raps. I was like way into rap. I still am too. But, but I was so I was like, just way into these things. And I wrote zines. And that stuff too. And I and I want to get more into that in depth in a second. But yeah, yeah, I was I was way into zines. And I was into punk rock and stuff too. I was just, I mean, I was into I'm still into a lot of things. And I, I, but I just never, it never occurred to me. Like I was always weird and I was like knew I was weird or, or whatever, but it wasn't a, f- I just was like, oh, this is just how it is. I don't know how to explain no, it. Like it's it, not. Listen, that, that is t- completely makes sense. And it goes back to, she's so tired of me telling this story. <laughs> Every time I introduce April to anyone <laughs> that I meet, I'm like, listen, you got to know about this girl right now. Um, I, 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 I don't know why I'm like, ch- I've championed uh april professionally and personally like i've never championed any of my friends um it ma- she's the kind of person that makes me wish i were a talent agent almost because ah. i just because like from we we met at a storytelling show and um and she she told a story and it, it we may even get into what her story was about uh in a little bit but it wasn't so much even the story but like you're so tired of me saying this. I I use this word to describe April like nobody's business, but she's so authentic and she (laughs) just, it's just one of those things guys. And I bet, and I, and if you've seen her on Chelsea, I'm sure you agree with me and, and you probably know other people like this, but you know, sometimes you just meet someone and you just feel you have this sense that their feet are on the ground and they know who they are. (laughs) And I, I, it doesn't surprise me anything that you've just said about your relationship to your interests and stuff when you were in school and even that young, because you definitely give a vibe to me, give off a vibe of like, I have known who I am for a really long time. And I think a lot of people who've done the podcast have said, I didn't know that, or I had a right. sense of it, but I didn't get to explore it until my twenties or what have you. And, um, and I just, Th- you just feel like you know yourself i mean in such an appealing kinda, way to me that's but how it's i not, feel i mean i it's weird to talk about because it makes it sound like oh yeah i've just all oh, i was born with my shit together like it's not like that <laughs> right. it's just like i knew what i liked i knew what i was into i knew what i thought was fun and i just did it and it was the kind like don't get it me wrong like i got made fun of at school not hardcore like this is gonna blow your mind more but like i loved high school like i loved it and i and I had a ton of fun. That isn't to say I didn't get made fun of. And that right. isn't to say I wasn't a weirdo or whatever. But it it was just the kind of thing where I was like, 
I'm just a weirdo. You guys just, if you don't think it's cool, I'm a weirdo. I don't really care. And I'm just going to do what I think is fun anyway. And I think in a weird way, I got like respect for that. I think like, that makes sense. I was totally, it sounds so, it sounds, nowadays, like to be weird is so affected and on per, like it just, I'm, it makes me sound like it was just, I just what, like whatever. It wasn't like this calculated thing. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I was friends equally with, there was never an us versus them thing to the, what I was into. Like I knew I was into stuff that wasn't necessarily considered cool by like the cool set in high school as it is dictated by every movie, like the cheerleaders and the football players and whoever's <laughs> right. popular. And this they is in, put this in context uh, in terms of, this is in Atlanta. This is like in suburban Atlanta, Atlanta Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I grew up in the South. I grew up in a totally like upper middle class high school. Um, but I didn't. Was it conservative? Was it a community not, kind of conservative, or was it not oppressively so? I don't think so. I mean, yes, but not. It's hard. I, well, I know that never you feel your, that. Your family is very different from you. I guess is what I. Oh yeah, absolutely. My parent, my mom is very southern and very proper, but also cool. Like she was never. She totally supported me. She didn't wildly, crazily support me like those stories you read where people were like, "I knew at fourteen I wanted to be an actor," and my mom was like, "Cool, drop out of school." Like it wasn't like right. crazy, but she also wasn't like she was cool with me doing my thing. Like in high school, I had blue hair and I'd wear like green fishnets and Doc Martens, and she was like, "All right, if that's." She wasn't jazzed about it, but she wasn't. You know, it it wasn't that weird to her. She was like, "Okay, you're kind of weird. That's cool." But yeah, it was an it was a conservative environment, but not I don't I didn't ever feel oppressively so. And I I think because my attitude was never I mean, I had a lot of like punk friends and stuff and they were very much like, you know, fuck everybody who's not like us kind of thing, like fuck the preps or whatever. And I was like, I don't care like if that's what they're into. And so, yeah, I think it's interesting when you're, I kind of had friends in like every clique. Yeah. Uh, funnily like enough, the people I got made fun of by the most were like other punk kids Interesting. for like not being punk enough like i'm not joking sense. like they i when in ninth grade when i was a freshman there was this group of senior girls who used to make fun of me ruthlessly like we had the same lunch period and they would make fun of me and they would pass me notes that were just so terrible and like you don't know what you, like you don't know anything about what you think you're into and all this stuff because we would like we were just like i was like you guys are supposed to be on my team if anything it's supposed to be us versus them like right. they were the meanest to me that was the weirdest part so you know i especially after that it just reinforced my like yeah, I don't. It's not us versus them. It's like just do what you want. Like who cares? But isn't that? But I think it's interesting because I, I, there's this. That's why oh, one of the reasons I know that we would get along because I had the sort of same experience where I was so attracted to the kind of punk rock culture and like mm -hmm. the goth world. Yeah, but, but I never. F I felt. I felt a lot of anger. I didn't really know it who. I mean, I definitely had that kind of, I don't know if it was like hormonal anger or just right. like my weird mental issues that I've struggled with my whole life. But I definitely, but then, but I didn't have the feelings of anger the way like my friends who are obsessed with the Sex Pistols did. Right. Did want to like Absolutely. fight with people. And like, you know, they wore like that. My first boyfriend wore like super, like basically what football players wear under their eyes. Right. Like giant, like inch, an inch thick of right. black of just no, black I soot. Totally had those friends too. And I think because and I, was, and I think they resented me that I wasn't more angry. I think right. they were like, why aren't you pissed? Exactly. Pissed. Well, and I my entrance into my introduction into like punk rock and stuff was actually like Billy Bragg and the Clash. And they had and I got into it more politically and they I think had I, my introduction been something like the Sex Pistols, like maybe I would have, but because I was listening to people like Billy Bragg who their overall message is like 
we're all in this together. Like we all need to work together to make shit better. That that was always kind of where I was coming from first with it. Like it was like, you know, I was listening to them and because of that, like wanting to read more like Karl Marx and stuff where it was all like collectivism and like, we have we all have a common enemy it's not each other it's like the ruling class and so that sounds super heavy like whatever again i wasn't like this genius teenager i'm just saying that was my introduction to punk rock so but that I think, but i think it does speak well i mean listen you can i'm i'll continue to champion you through the podcast and you can <laughs> shit on yourself as much as you want to but i do think that taking it to that next level where you were listening to what was being sung about and you were interested in interested to the point where you were pursuing the information that had inspired those people also um there's a thoroughness to that and an intellectualism oh definitely i mean that's something that's still when i get into something i'm like balls to the wall like okay i like this thing now i need to know everything about it everything that this person has ever done in their life like yeah that's definitely i mean especially with like record collecting stuff if i find like uh, you know, if I like this band and then I find out somebody the band was in another band, I'll go buy all their records. And yeah, I still do that too. And I think, but I mean, I, yeah. And all the, I identified with these weird people like Morrissey or whatever, but they never, it was, they were weird, but it was a kind of a, they wanted, they knew they were weird and they, it was like, fine, we're weird. We'll deal with this. But they did have this kind of thing where they wanted to feel comfortable. They were like, I just want somebody to understand me. I just want somebody to understand where I'm coming from. And so I kind of felt that way too, where I was like, okay, I'm into things that not a lot of people I know in real life are into, which I, that's why I had tons of pen. I think another reason why I didn't care if I got made fun of or whatever was I knew I would go home to this whole other world. I was like, I don't care if you guys make fun of me. Yeah, I, I'm going to go home that, and write that, to that my pen pals. In, that ties into the zines and the pen pal thing too. And I, and uh, you know, the only other time we've discussed pen pals on the show was of course, Natasha's episode. Yeah, where she I, yeah, I heard about, that. Uh, <laughs> she talked about calling her Irish pen pal. That was for funny. Yeah. Electricity. I didn't, that never happened <laughs> with me. You weren't beating um, up anybody verbally. And it's uh, true. In well, most of my pen pals were through music. Basically, okay, I got into the Smiths. The Smiths and REM were my first favorite bands. And ever. did you feel a, a pridefulness about like REM? Oh my god, Atlanta. absolutely They're being ours. from Georgia. To us. Oh, totally. I used to go to Athens all the time and have like people's older siblings like drive me to Athens and stuff all the time. But yeah, I got into the Smiths actually when I was like twelve because uh, this these friends of my parents who were my parents age they had a kid that was older than me who was getting married and i remember being over their house and he just gave me a whole box of cassette tapes and was like oh i'm not gonna take these to my new house with my wife do you want them and i was like yeah and so i fished out like i listened to tons of stuff in it and then i fished out louder than bombs it was in there and then that was it i'm like who is this This the best thing i've ever heard so it snowballed from there so that was when i was like 12 um when i was 13 i remember i got my first morrissey fanzine at this record store called criminal records in atlanta because my friend Brett's older sister used to drive us to this place in Atlanta called Little Five Points, which was like where the alternative kids hung out and still do. It's still the same kind of place with all the record stores and stuff. So I remember buying the zine and it was photocopied and it was kind of like, I could do this. Like, this is easy. And my parents, like my mom worked at this business where she would let me use the photocopier for free. So then I just started my own zine. My first fanzine was when I was 14 and it was a Morrissey and Michael Stipe fanzine. So that's how it started. Like I just started making that at my mom's office. And then through the thing about zines at the time is like there would be ads in the back of each of them, like pen pal ads or ads for other zines. And so I just started writing to everybody. Like I didn't know anybody at school who was like as into Morrissey as I was. So I was just eager to talk to anybody about it. So I'd write introductory letters to all these people like, hey, I'm April. I'm super into Morrissey too. Let's be pals, whatever. So then it just for real just snowballed. There's there's just so... 
ah, I love the idea of <laughs> this one thing is so important to me that I'm fairly certain we will have other things in common. Oh, sure, or yeah. we don't, you know what I mean? I, yeah. love, I love the fierceness of loyalty to one thing that, I mean, I guess in, in, in the, it's funny because there's something almost like when in, in the wrong context, there's something sort of foreboding about it. Like there is this, because you can almost imagine how it would work in the, in, to the opposite effect. Like we all hate this one thing. So we have right. all this stuff. So to we, have it connects, you know, us. It, could yeah. be, it could be very dark in a sense, but, but the, but the light version of it is so appealing and so charming of, of, you know, it's not just like, you know, Kurt Vonnegut, what does he call it? Like wampeters and grand falloons. This idea of of you know being on. A, I think it's in Cat's Cradle. Like you meet someone who's from the same city and you're on a plane together, and suddenly you're best friends. But right. really, you're not at all because there's not enough in common about just being from the same city. It's right. Like, right. Oh, we're both from here. Remember and that then, place yeah, on blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah? Yeah. And like that's it's all that. And it's right. not emotional. But when it's something like music and poetry mm. and a point of view and the politics of it and all that, and that it just you're so immersed in it that it becomes a, such a huge part of your life. Oh, You're yeah. Like, if someone else feels this passionately about this one thing, right. we'll definitely bond and we'll and, it, and it'll be meaningful and we'll have things to talk about. Well, well, right. And also because of especially like the depth of Morrissey's lyrics. I mean, anybody listening to this who doesn't like him is probably making the jerk off hand motion like, whatever, like I suck. <laughs> but, and I get people who don't, I get, understand well, I completely how somebody I, wouldn't like guys, Morrissey and hate him. Listen, I totally guys, get it. I'm not that big of a fan of Morrissey. Right. So we're not going to sit here and extol his virtues because I, I like him, but I certainly right. don't have strong feelings But I will him. say, as far as like lyricists, like the depths of his, like they did, they're pretty intellectually you know, this isn't like, let's go to the party DJ, turn the music Correct. up. So it's like, if you were really into it, more likely than not, you would have also like read books that you could tell he was influenced by. And he, right. that was the thing is I, I was re I, I've read so many books about him and read so many interviews with him that, yeah, at the time when I was 15, like I'm reading all these things about how he read Oscar Wilde and like all of these. And I do, by the way, love, I was Oscar like his Wilde. favorite writer. I so when I was Oscar 15, Wilde. I was just like, uh, then I'm, I'm like, well, I got to read Oscar Wilde. This guy's into it. And, 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 you know, I've got to watch all of these. He was way into like sixties English kitchen sink movies, like Saturday night, and Sunday morning and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, as a teenager, I was also seeking that out. So I knew that if I was going to write somebody who was also that into him, we would also have those things to yeah. discuss. Um, but weirdly enough, though, through that, and so I, I, you know, I'm getting all these pen pals, getting all these pen pals, and I'm getting more and more zines. And then I started getting personal zines. So I started. Can, can I ask you one quick question? Yeah, yeah. Because um, maybe someone else is curious about this as well. Uh, I mean, what? So it's a whole zine, and it's about your zine is about Michael Stipe and about Morrissey. Yeah, and it's your, and it's just you writing, and it's it was just me it's writing. Not just it's not just to be clear to anybody who's not familiar. I'm drinking sparkling water, guys. I just burped. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Uh, I've really thrown every every common decency to the wayside. Uh, like, oh, I'm burping. I'm like twenty episodes in now. I I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Um, so it wouldn't just be like, okay, here's the essay about how much I love Morrissey. And then here's the essay about Michael Stipe. It would be broken up into different pieces. And like, how would it, how was it structured? And how did you approach your love of of Michael Stipe? (laughs) I mean, I wasn't like yawn winner or anything. I mean, it was, I was like 14, but yeah, there would be things where I'm like, here's why I think he's great. But then as was common also in other fanzines, it would be like lyrical analysis or album reviews or live reviews, things like that. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, there, you know, and there would, but there would be the occasional, like, they're just really cool, right, guys? Here are some reasons why. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, but but through that, I got, I mean, I got tons of Morrissey pen pals, tons of zines. It was great. But then through that, it kind of snowballed into other just music zines uh, that I would get from all over, which is how I got, like, my record collection, because I'd get these pen pals, and I'd get these zines, introducing me to new bands, and then they would make me mixtapes. And, you know, I was getting exposed to all the stuff that, as a teenager in Atlanta, Georgia, never... This is pre-internet. I mean, this is oh, way yeah. pre-internet, so... That's like I the original have, internet. Yeah, this was exposing me to things I never would have known otherwise. And then through that, I started getting into personal zines, which this is around when like riot girls happening so then that got me into feminism more than anything would have otherwise so you know i love that music was such a way in for you absolutely much more than just the music itself. that's the thing absolutely and so when people i mean yeah even people i meet today i'm 33 you know and people will meet me and go i how are you still into this stuff like this is so weird who cares about this anymore and i'm like yeah, but it isn't just listening to this album. Like, you know, I can tell you where I was when I first heard this. I can tell you the book that I read because I heard this album. I can tell you the person that I met who introduced me to this album, who then I went to visit them at their house, who then, you know what I mean? That's like so much tied to it. So much more than just being like, yeah, I like this song. Like, yeah, you know what? And you know what I think is interesting about some of the bands that you're talking about? Um, and re- you guys, I know that I always ask these questions of you. And by the way, I seriously cherish and love when you answer my questions. <laughs> um, I know that you think they're rhetorical, but for those of you who who have written and said like, hey, this is how, you know, we, we talked, Jessica St. Clair and I talked a lot about um, mixtapes and stuff and whether or not like the, the, the youth is out there making mixes the same way we used to right. with cover art and all that kind of stuff. First of all, one listener sent me a mix. <gasps> it's one of the coolest the things best. I've ever gotten. I still have every mixtape um, I've ever gotten. You do like too. in three so does bins Jessica. under my bed so does jessica yeah. and i don't and i hate that i don't um but those of you who 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 answer and say like oh yeah you asked if got you know how guys feel about blah 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 and then like eight guys will answer me it's just like the best feeling in the world so please know that i mean it when i say it um having said that i completely lost my train of thought ah. i forgot what i was asking the listener uh mixtapes mix zines. zines crap pen pals I can't remember. Ah. I'm sorry. I, I derail, but I'll, I'll get it back. Um, but the, but yeah, the idea of, of it. Oh, I was going to say, um, it seems, I was going to say, I don't know if it's still like this with music that like, I, I don't know, like, like being a teenager and being super into a band. But what I was going to say earlier about the time frame that we were super into music when we were teenagers is mm-hmm. I felt like as much as I looked up to those bands, like I looked up to the Pixies and I looked up to uh, Depeche Mode. Oh my God. I love Depeche so Mode. It seemed, now Absolutely. Like for some reason, a weirder band for me to look up to. But I also felt I mean, even someone like Tori Amos, who for me, I think I said on a different podcast, was a phase, and for other people has been That's a, a phase I'd love, never. I like, you know, I definitely high went, school. I did go through like a, I want to say one year phase of Tori. Right. But, um, but, but using her as, I think, a decent example, as well as the other bands, is that I think I felt, I still felt included and I felt there was a permission to like think of them as peers, even right. as I was looking up to them. And, um, and I think that was really empowering for that time in music. And I'm not saying that 
it didn't does doesn't continue to be that way but i guess i'm curious because now they are my peers or younger right but at the time when i was 15 even though there were bands that i loved that were in their 30s i kind of felt like they were inviting me to yeah hang they got them. it they were inviting me they to, got it there was an agelessness to it absolutely that i really re- appreciate and i feel like oh, i'm so glad that i got to feel like they were my buddies in a weird way oh even though totally right i, I hope people still feel that way that are young yeah i yeah i think about that now because i do think about how there's not I mean this makes me sound old and so like you know walked in the snow uphill both ways but now with the ease like if you wanted if I wanted to get something like a specific record like it was a mission like I had to have a friend drive me to the record store and I had to have my list and be like kid do you have this record oh it's an import can you order it for me like it was just this huge ordeal so much so that when I finally got it I'm like well I better love this because I went through all this to get it whereas now you can just click a mouse and have somebody's entire discography which is great and convenient and i that's awesome for kids but then i wonder you know there is that little like do you appreciate it or is it just like throw away which is stupid whatever it's music and music should be listened to by people that's what it's made for but no um, but i will say i had the same i said the same thing we've i've talked about this a little bit with with jessica as well um who by the way was not in was not a music person so mm-hmm. we were having the conversation about it because she, the only reason that she even knows what she likes is that she has a her best friend makes her mixes and right. sort of creates the soundtrack for her life which i love right but um i like you was a huge i mean i definitely wasn't as hardcore as you were but i was <laughs> close i mean i definitely was like super super into to music and record stores and buying imports and right. ordering like every sugar cubes import. Oh my God. My right. Totally. Stuff like that. But, um, but I, one of the questions that I asked on that podcast, I think it was, was does do, do younger people still know everything about bands? Like I used to with reading the liner notes and right. like knowing their lives. And I will call someone out by name. Jocelyn, uh, is a listener who took the time to write in and say, yes, I can tell you, I have like six bands that I'm obsessed by. Oh, and well, I can that's tell good. You every band name, every, or every band member, their history, like every song, every, you know, that's and I comforting. Was so relieved. Yeah, I definitely. I was like, oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, no, I wonder that too, because I wonder you know you people get things on itunes now where there's not even really liner notes or oh, there's not I'm like that i'll have like a song i can't stop listening to and i realize like i never bothered to go back and get the entire album oh and i know ne- i've never remember. used itunes i've never used Bless it your heart i still go to like amoeba and stuff. i mean i'm That's still so that cool. like grumpy like nick hornby kind of you uh, know yeah i mean i still Good do reference. that yeah i don't really i'm ashamed to say yeah i don't know that's that's definitely another thing i haven't grown out of because i just have so many you know i uh, yeah and i and it's i meet a lot of people my age again who are just like i don't get why you're still into this and don't understand like the life changingness of it and how it was i mean yeah okay i was weird or whatever in high school I, i but i had friends i wasn't like this completely ostracized nerd or or whatever but the best times i remember were in my room like reading letters from people writing letters to people like absorbing these mixtapes that people made for me and 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 you know being like oh that's this is great i gotta find this album and like those are some of my fondest memories of my teen years so you know i associate I still kind of associate music with that. And so, and you ended up having relationships with these pen pals that extended out beyond the uh, correspondence. Yeah. And you would meet I've them. I've met tons of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So talk about that a little. Um, yeah. I, so I had pen pals all over the world. Again, it just kind of snowballed from the Morrissey thing. And then, well, when I started reading like 
per zines, like personal zines, which were primarily made by other girls my age and like Riot Girl stuff, a lot of they were really personal. And it was a it was almost like your diary, you know, but in zine form. So it was an easy way. I mean, you read it and you really think, oh, my God, like I know a lot about this person and you would write letters. I mean, it was interesting. You would write letters to people telling them things that like you would never even tell people that you knew in real life. So, you know, there, I, I still know a lot of pen pals today. We've hung out. Like I keep in touch with a lot of them. And then, so I've made real and lasting friendships via that medium. But then also I would just, it was awesome to have people I knew in like every country, like you could sure. name a country and I'd be like, I know somebody who lives there. I can go stay at their house. I just think that So I would go amazing. all over and see bands and stuff and be like, Hey, I just write and be like, I'm going to come see so-and-so. Can I come stay at your house? And it was just be and like, throw yeah. out some places like that you went when you were a teenager. Oh, uh, like gone well, England, I went to a million times, like England and Scotland and Italy. Um, yeah, I had pen pals in Canada. I mean, I had pen pals the, all over the state as well. How did you get the money to do well. that? Were, is it, were you working? Well, you um, work? yeah, I would use all... I had to have a job since I was 15. Like, my parents were very... I mean, they were total Southern work ethic. Like, you have to get a job. You're 15. So I had a job ever since I was 15. So I would just basically... What were you, what, 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 <laughs> what jobs? My high school job was working at the Hello Kitty store in our local mall, which also was convenient because it just provided me with all the stationery that I could write to all these oh pen pals God. on. It's kind of proud of me. I had a pretty the great Hello life. Kitty store. You did have yeah. a great life. That was my high school job. So I worked at the Hello Kitty store. And um, yeah, I mean, I would just say, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm living with my parents. It's not, I didn't have expenses. So I would just save money to do these things. Like almost all of my money just went to go see shows. And Were you a good student? No, I was the worst. <laughs> because you I didn't spending do... spending all your time doing all Exactly. Like stuff. I never did any schoolwork ever, ever, ever. All I did was like write Z. And I sassy mag. I wanted to be Jane Pratt. So that was the other thing too. Sassy magazine came right. I got a subscription to Sassy when I was like 13, which I was too young for their demographic, but it was the perfect time because they also talked about zines and they were, you know, alternative and stuff like that. And yeah, so I just did nothing but just write non-school things. I wrote and wrote and wrote and read and read and read all the time, but it was just never did, were your teachers school. Did your teachers have an awareness of that? Were they like, April, we know that you're smart. Uh, like, yeah, you they very much yourself? did. That was the weird thing is that like, the only thing I ever got in trouble for growing up was grades because I also never drank. I never smoked. I never like partied in those ways of a teenager. Like I was a dream kid, but I never did any work. So I was constantly grounded for my grades, which I remember her in Ju- like my junior year because I was just grounded all all the time. Well, you all, but you because I all never these pen pals and you could exactly. Just be in so your I remember room my junior like, year just being like, itself. you know that grounding. I was like, mom, listen, <laughs> grounding is not working. Like I really did. I was like, clearly, oh, all you're doing is you see this is not working. Time, yeah, right? I was really like, I'm um, I'm not into school as far as the schoolwork it's not getting done because i don't want to do i when i was in ninth either eighth or ninth grade a teacher called my mom and was like we think april should be medicated we think she has add and we had a meeting and i told i was like i absolutely do not have add i'm choosing not to pay attention to your class like (laughs) it's not a medical like i'm conscious of it i'm doing on purpose and the woman was like what and so yeah because i was like i don't want to be on medication i'm fine i just not into this which is a bratty thing but but my teacher, surprisingly, like, I was really nice. Like, I was totally the class clown, and I totally made jokes and stuff. 
I mean, but I was weirdly like nice about it. Everything you've said on the podcast thus far, <laughs> just you've you've already explained it in your in your behavior. <laughs> it's clear that you're a very nice person. It's clear that you're. I mean, I was disruptive. Humble. It's clear that you know what I mean. But, but like, you're. It's 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 just the person who's talking on this podcast right now. We can all picture that same person. And me at fifteen, being that kid at fifteen. It, it was weird. Sense. It didn't make sense at the time. The the teacher should have hated. It. Like I got terrible grades. I didn't pay attention. Whatever. But they. I made them laugh and I was, I was not mean about it. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, it's I mean totally to disrupt a class it. like on principle, but yeah. they, so they kind of didn't hate me. I was, they were just, they were, they were disappointed. Like they would just hand me report cards and be like, what you, this is, I don't understand, but whatever, like have fun ruining your life. Like <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like, hey, you're going to do it. So yeah. Yeah. And it, I can't believe I went to college because I, I didn't. I when I graduated, I graduated and did not even have a two point Wow! Like it was. I okay. I failed That's everything. I went to so I had to go to summer school every year. I failed every math and science class. But your parents still let you travel and let you go. Weird. To- yeah, because I think that they and that makes it sound like they're a bad parent. I mean, my parents were kind of. St- my mom don't my mom hated it like my mom would cry to me and be like, well, "You have to get good grade. Like, why are you not doing anything?" And I just. Yeah, so I wasn't a good kid in that respect because I just would be like, I don't, I'm not into it, mom. Like I, but in a weird way, I was like, I'm gonna be okay though. I think, I, which is so arrogant. Like a teenager being like, oh, I'm failing everything, but I'll be great. Like that's so arrogant and terrible. And it is bratty. Except but you totally proved yourself right I'm, by but just I was continuing like, on. I'm not emotions. into this right now. I'll be fine. Like trust and yeah but don't get it twisted like my mom was really upset and really not i mean she was appreciative like i said that i didn't get in trouble in the traditional ways that like rebellious teenagers get in trouble but she was very upset that i never did any work and did good grades and then but she's relieved now like i actually went to college i went i didn't go to college till i was 23 though when i graduated from high school my mom was like oh, okay are you gonna at least please go to college and i was like oh no I, I I said, if you like make me go to college right now, I will fail out. I guarantee you I will fail. Like, don't make me do it. And she was like, okay, well, you got to do something. Like, you can't just be chilling in my house then. And so I, I actually went to live in England for a couple of years, like with a friend of mine that I had met. And she was okay with that. She came over and like met their parents and like, you know, it was on the up and up. So I, yeah, but when I finally decided to go to college at 23, then I was like, okay, well, I'm into it now. And then, you know, it's college. You get to pick your class. Like I got to study what I was interested in. That does help for anybody who experienced a a lack of interest in high school. Um, A couple of things I wanted to ask. Uh, What came after the Hello Kitty store? (laughs) Um, Well, after that, when I graduated from high school, I just had a series of jobs to be able to afford to stay in England. Basically what I did, because you can't just legally go live in England for three years without. So I would go to England for like six months, come home, have a job for like three or four months to make enough money, go back for like three or four months. Like I did that off and on. at all in England? No, because I didn't legally, like I didn't want it. I didn't want to get deported or risk it. I was living with my friend Neil at his parents' house. uh, Just kicking it. Just kicking it. Seeing bands. Seeing bands traveling england itself like just going all over the country hanging out with my friends at that point my friend neil was also kind of not doing anything like he had graduated and was not gone to university yet so it was a kind of just like bro out time and his parents still they're like my second parents so like we're super close so you know it was cool i was just hanging out going to see bands his parents would cook me dinner at night like yeah it was great but i so i just had a bunch of in that period i had a bunch of just shitty like 
I did telemarketing. I worked at an answering service, just anything where I worked there for a few months, save up the money and go back to England. So you knew what you wanted. <laughs> I mean, I did, but it's like, it's the kind of thing where if I read or heard other people talk about that, I'd be like, what a dick, like, who do you think you are kind of thing? I mean, it sounds like a dick move. It does. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just was interested in what I was interested in and which makes it sound like I've got tunnel vision. Like, I feel like the one difference between me now and me then is I am more open to other things. I think as a teenager, I very much was like, I'm into this. If you're not into it, whatever. And I wasn't as open to different things. Whereas I think that is a difference now where I'm like, oh, I'll listen to music. I I wouldn't think I'd like before. I'll read a book that I didn't think I would like, or I'll Mm -hmm. watch a movie I didn't think I would like. I'm more open in that way. Did you... I mean, I guess I, I guess I'm not imagining this particular April like being like like going out and taking a bike ride or yeah. I mean, did you like like when you were when you were a teenager? Did you sort of did you like being out of doors or were you kind of like I did actually the only like don't ground me because or you were feel free to ground me because I'm just in my I would be in my room by choice anyway. Yeah, well, when I was especially when I was a preteen, I think riding my bike was like the one thing I did all the time. That was like the one activity. Yeah, I would definitely. I was I was a pretty active kid. I wasn't like a legit goth. Like yeah. I was pretty active and like outdoorsy. And with the neighborhood I grew up in, we had a pool. We had like a neighborhood pool, and I would I would go hang out at the pool a lot. And like, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, a great deal of time was spent in my room, like writing letters and stuff like that. But I was a, I was a reasonably active kid. I still yeah. like to go out and ride my bike and run around and stuff. Oh, but with like my Walkman on constantly, sure. like you know what I mean. Yeah. You needed to have your soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. The soundtrack to yeah, all yeah, your yeah. experiences. What were you? Would I know that you had your aha moment, which is sort of funny because it would have been really cool if you discovered aha <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like when my I saw aha, take my on aha me. moment was when I saw the take on me video. Exactly. I literally had not. Aha moment. Um, do you what was other non alternative music? Like, did you like as a kid growing up, did you Mm -hmm. love music, but you just didn't necessarily have a specific point of view? And did that sort of change for you when you were around 12? Or did you do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I always loved it. 12. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of myself also when I think about this, like asking myself the same question. Well, yeah, hearing the Smiths for the first time was definitely a turning point. I mean, and and hearing R.E.M. too for the first time was like a definite like the first tape I bought with my own money with my allowance money was green. Yeah. And that was a turning point. But yeah, I always liked music. My, the first music I ever heard was Elvis. My mom is super duper into Elvis, and I am too as an extension of that. But so that the first music I remember hearing is Elvis Presley. And then I grew up in the South, and both of my parents are, I mean, I come from generations of Southerners, so I grew up on country music. So I definitely remember, you know, growing up and like my parents watching the Grand Old Opry and stuff like that. And my mom had like George Jones records and Merle Haggard and like real classic stuff. But at the time, I didn't like it because you couldn't like what your parents, I'm like, well, you guys, this sucks. Like, but as I got older, in my late teens, I'm like, actually, this is super good. And I would get more into like Roger Miller and Loretta Lynn. And, and I still really like old country music. Contemporary country music, I always thought was awful. Like yeah. I remember even in the, yeah, in the 90s, I did like Garth Brooks a lot. I loved Garth Brooks legitimately. And I saw him a couple of times when I was in high school. And that was the thing I totally got made fun of. And I'd be like, well, he's good. Like, who cares? He's good. Um, God, see, that is interesting. That's a real uh, curveball. Speaking was, of things that are surprising, right? Because I, I don't remember. I'm not even sure I can remember a Garth Brooks song. 
I was really but into I'm Rope sure in the I Wind. Was, like, I loved that it. album. I listened to all songs. I think that, I mean, that was a kind of another thing when I was a teenager. I was even like, didn't have guilty pleasure. I was like, if it's good, I'll like it. And I think so that's great. another reason why like the punk rock kids would get mad I'm at sure. me because they're like, you can't like this guy. I'm like, well, it's a good album. Like, why can't I? Yeah. 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 I wasn't, I think I was, I was not maybe as much like that. I think I was more. I was more concerned. I was more concerned than that about what other people would have thought. So even if I thought something was really great, it probably would have been a guilty pleasure. Right. But I think even, but I think in the, the time frame when I was really at my most kind of like hardcore about any one thing, that being, I guess, kind of goth or punk. Right. I think I wouldn't even have allowed myself the guilty pleasure. Like right. I think I shut off. I mean, I guess that's not really true because I definitely still like I, I, I still love like talking heads and staying in the police, even when I was like super listening to my life with a thrill kill called right like that. Ah. So I guess I did. But it wasn't. But but I guess that was like that was sort of a through line where it was like, well, I'm always going to love that stuff. Right. But if it was something new like Garth Brooks or something like that, I don't think I would have even allowed myself the opportunity to listen to it and like it. I would have right. just judged it out of hand and been like, nope, that's not part of who I am I was now. Super into, I was super into Huey Lewis in the news. Well, oh my I god, I was obsessed with sports. Loved Huey Lewis. And oh the my news. god, that is one of the my favorite albums of all time to I this day. Also, lo- I saw Huey Lewis in the news twice. Oh, I saw him once, and but yeah, I I told the story on that Price's Music podcast, but um, he. I was looking at him through binoculars and I still thought he was looking right at me. Oh my God. I love him. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's making eye contact with my binoculars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meaningful, sexy eye contact oh, that's so great. with my binoculars. That's so great. Oh, I loved him so. Oh, I did too. And all the videos. I was like, God, these oh my videos God, the best. are genius. The best videos. Oh. But at the same time, I, you're talking about goth. I dressed as Robert Smith for like three Halloween in a row yeah like i was still on that train too yeah there was there were a couple of guys at school who really had that nailed down like that was another perfect robert smith hair in like ninth and tenth i I used to dress like morrissey like to go to school like i would wear a blazer and a button down and turned up jeans and doc martens and just straight up dress like a dude like dress like morrissey like i wanted to be him yeah. So that was another thing where I kind of, like, people were like, okay, like, you know, you're a girl, right? But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk about, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I know that that, you know, you talked about Oscar Wilde and you talked about Morrissey and, and, and Riot Girls and how all of that did in fact feed into the passions that you did pursue in college, including kind of gender classification mm. and, and human sexuality and, and, and gender identity and stuff like that. Um, so why don't you so talk about that? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I was kind of always fascinated with androgyny through Morrissey. Actually, Morrissey got me into David Bowie because he worships David Bowie, and so you know that's kind of how I found out about him. And you know, Michael Stipe's kind of the same way. He would like wear makeup and kind of. I was I just was always attracted to that too. I was kind of always attracted to people where you couldn't tell if they were girls or boys. Like I just like that, which is a weird thing, a weird kind of co-opty thing to say because I'm not gay. And it's, so it's a weird, I'm not saying I fetishize that or whatever, but I, f- I feel like anybody who's, I think andro- being androgynous is like so brave and I challenging. Agree. And I was too. And I love David Bowie. I loved Nick Rhodes. Like I yeah. love Nick Rhodes. Uh, I didn't even really like Duran Duran, but I liked him best. I, I, lo- liked, I loved Boy I George. Loved Gore best. I loved Boy I loved George. Boy George. Like yeah. anybody who had that sort of 
like unabashed yeah. androgyny that wasn't necessary, but that wasn't necessarily homosexual, which right. isn't to say it there's anything was- wrong with that, but it's, it became somehow extra fascinating right. that it wasn't necessarily identified with sexuality that it was right. just it's you just kind of like fucking up the system in the sense yeah i was all, i always found that super appealing and i think that and yeah i found it appealing and challenging and just like really it really at the time i had a kind of messed up view of femininity too femininity femininity <laughs> i kind of did in a way that like Girls who weren't quote unquote tough kind of bothered me. Like I look back now on things that I felt and and then theories that I had and like I'm kind of ashamed because, you know, that's anti-feminist if I ever heard like, you know, the whole idea is you can be whatever the hell you want to be. But I remember having a kind of attitude that like, yeah, if a girl wasn't like Janine Garofalo or, you know, the deal sisters or something, then she was annoying and too girly. And like, that's weak. And that's really a fucked up view to have. Um, and yeah, now I'm like, Oh, I'm so ashamed that I ever felt that way. But because like, so I think androgyny kind of appealed to me in that way too, where it was, you know, the idea of a, guy kind of i i was i was always appealed found it appealing if like women dress like men because i even did that too and i fancied myself a bit tough and was like yeah it's cool to wear menswear or whatever but then it was re- it really challenged me when i saw guys like dress f- f- effeminate and 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 really kind of take that on it te- and take that whole well this is a thing that's perceived as weak but a guy's doing it so you know, just, I just liked that. I, that doesn't sound very academic or well thought out, but it was just something that just plainly always appealed to me. Yeah. And I think now, cause nowadays, like ever since I've not been, ever since I graduated from college, I've taken the opposite where I'm like obsessed with clothes now, but in a very feminine way, I wear dresses all the time. I'm like hyper feminine. And I like to do that because my mannerisms and my personality is so kind of not that I just like anybody who takes that kind of dichotomy of like, maybe you're just like this wilting flat. Like, like Tilda Swinton, I think is amazing. Sure. She's probably like the chillest, most gentle, like soft-spoken lady in the world. But I love that she's so in your face, like dresses like a dude. She's very David Bowie-ish. Sure. And that's so oh, great. Absolutely. And it's so, become so iconic in fashion for that reason. I just like anybody who kind of takes those things and plays with them. And so I, I, you know, I'm totally conscious of that now in my everyday dress where I'm like, okay, I know I say dude every other word. I know I like to watch, you know, movies about arm wrestling or something. So I'm going to wear like a pink dress to work. Like, I just like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's not, no, I, think, <laughs> I don't know if that makes it very much. No, it does. But sense, also, but, it, you, but also you're, you're, you've put it in, you put it into sort of a simple context in that way. But then obviously, you know, we've established that when you were in school, you actually did study you studied it. I mean, you, yeah. you did. It was academic for you. Oh, yeah. Part. It led to that because, yeah, I just like, uh, ch- uh, you know, I, I like reading about and knowing more about the traditional, you know, feminine, masculine roles that society has dictated and how people mess with them and how, you know, you know, traits that are supposed to be female don't necessarily have to be and traits that are supposed to be male don't necessarily have to be. And, you know, I can't. Yeah, it's hard to explain, and I don't sound very smart doing it, but I mean, I don't. It's just something that I I love learning about, and I love... I love that in people. I love meeting people who kind of buck the system. Like I, you know, I'll love meeting a super huge muscular guy who cries at movies or I'll love meeting a, 
you know, dainty lady who like curses like a sailor. I mean, those are very simplistic things right well you're giving yeah I mean, that's boiling it down to like the examples. most simple but it's like i just like that i like like my best friend is this guy chip who's gay but like nobody ever knows it and that and i love even bucket like he doesn't act like a stereotypical gay guy which is dangerous language there is no stereotypical gay guy but just in the way that he plays with masculinity and the fact that people think that being gay isn't a masculine thing, which in a way I'm like, it's actually hyper-masculine. Right. Like, I just love yeah. questioning those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, the layers. I think the yeah. layers and the sort of turning things in on themselves and and still asking those questions. And um, uh, I did want, I did actually, yeah, I keep, I don't mean to, I, I feel like I've tur- I turn your fears into a, to too much of like a curiosity or like a... <laughs> just like a fun conversation starter but um but i do love them i do i just loved that story it was such a perfect meet the way to meet someone that particular storytelling night because because speaking of the kind of the personal zines and stuff like storytelling is so interesting because it's it's I wish it kind of was making me want to go to more storytelling shows, actually. Because yeah, when I'm thinking fun. about it, like, I don't necessarily see a lot of stand-up shows. Part of that is because I associate it so much with work because of producing Sketchfest. Um, and also because I guess so many of my friends are stand-ups and I, and I know they associate it with work. So right. it's not as much of a joyful thing that I can kind of disconnect from in the same way as storytelling and but i like storytelling because it's also not somebody playing a character per se right and the and and that it doesn't necessarily have to be like funny like funny hilarious jokes right but that people's organic personalities are able to shine through in a very well, my zine was way. definitely like a precursor to my stand-up or to any sort of i mean it yeah. was just me trying to once i started doing my own personal zine that wasn't like a fanzine it was just like about me and stuff that went on i mean i did talk about music and like shows i went to and stuff like that but it was very much me just trying to put funny a funny spin on yeah what was going that's on a, that's that's so much of, of what your stand-up is so that's so that storytelling show yeah guys just so you know, April <laughs> April ended up telling. I mean, I can't even remember what it was. A f- it was the a theme was. It was fear. I think it, it was. was fear. Okay, yeah, I think. I wonder or what, something I to do with because fear. for the life of me. I sure remember what you did. I could not tell you for the life of me what You're, I did. I totally remember you were you talking do? about walking along um, the bay and like wanting to jump in at night. <gasps> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like how you were afraid that you would about, actually do that. I'm never sorry to make this about <laughs> me. Um, everyone no, knows I totally that. remember that. Podcast, but I forgot about that because I never do storytelling shows. And I was delighted to be asked. And I guess that must have been it. Yeah, because I do have that feeling. God, I totally forgot. That feeling of walking along the bay at night and, and knowing that there's a whole other world down there and feeling like it's so unnatural and I shouldn't be welcome in at all and that I could be eaten by a shark and still really and still wanting, wanting to, to jump just, in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's very interesting. It was still not as great as what you told, which is oh, you, okay. told, you just told you. I just listed my fears. You listed your fears, but they're but they're so list worthy because they're so specific and so interesting. <laughs> And, um, yeah, like, like I said, I, I feel bad because I don't want to turn actual fears into like a conversation piece. Like, look at quirky April. Hey, aren't her feels quirky? I know they're weird, but, but they're, I think I said your feels, aren't your feels quirky? Very quirky. Um, but they are kind of great and quirky. So now clearly we have to list them cause I've brought it up. Well, my number one fear, should I do three, two, one? Okay. Three, yes. I'll do it from reverse order. Number Greatest three, hits. abandoned construction equipment. 
Look, I grew up in a place where there was a lot of construction around, especially if you drove by at night. It was totally, I thought it was going to be like Christine where they're going to start up and come after you. And what, you have no defense over like a crane. Like, no, it'll scoop (laughs) you up and kill you. Like, that is terrifying to me. So just abandon construction equipment that will guaranteed turn itself on at night and come kill you. Yeah. Number two. But, but the point, but I will say quickly about your fears is I think the point of this and what we discovered pretty early on is that whereas I was saying I have a fear of the ocean at night, but I'm drawn to it. You are not drawn no, to oh, it. No, 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 no. Like, this Absolutely is not, not. This is not a situation where like people like horror movies and so they go see them and they like being scared. No. This is a situation where you will absolutely be I do not like being scared at all. And it'll be unpleasant if you saw abandoned farm equipment. Yeah, I'm not into that yeah. at all. Number two. Uh, number two, the ocean. Not un- underwater. Just yeah. underwater in general. Not a fan. We don't belong there. There yeah. are many signs that we don't belong there. Uh, it's scary. It's deep. There are vast areas of it that human beings will never. It's so vast and so deep that there are so much of it that human beings will never see any of the bottom of it. That's Ooh, crazy to me to know that it's basically like the space. It's space on Earth. Yeah. Yes, that there's something on this Earth, this planet that we live on, that we're unable to see yes. all of and you have an absolute respect for that clearly but you're also yeah but i yeah so i don't and it's also there are so many signs like the deeper the humans get in the ocean the scarier the creatures get <laughs> this i mean the deeper you go the more there are fish with like chainsaws and lasers <laughs> on their heads because that's what they had to do to in order to live there to where it's like if they've got to do that to adapt we don't need to be oh. there I love it. Plus, if you go down deep enough and you decide you don't want to get there anymore and you want to get out of there, you get the bends. You get yeah. punished either way. I know. The ocean is not fucking around. It I'm doesn't so want you in it. I'm fascinated by it. It does and, not want you in it. And I will it. say that the closest I come to that fear is still being on land. Like, I do like to be near it. And I love the be beach. I love the be, beach. Yeah. I'll go to the but beach I'm all not, day long. But like, and and I, I, want, I want to be able to, like, maybe scuba dive but i'll never be able to do it i don't think. i don't think so either the only way i was thinking i was on my next hiatus i wanted to go to tahiti i was looking at i saw this thing on tahiti and the water is so crystal clear that i was like oh this could be the one place on earth but i think we talked about this somehow that scares me too see like, that oh, you're is, gonna see it coming you're right you're just gonna see it coming i think i just like to be aware i feel like if i'm if i'm like oh i see this thing or i see the bottom of it then it won't be i'm not saying i'm gonna go way out deep but I feel like it's the one place on earth where I could actually scuba dive a little bit or just and not some, lose my mind. But if you, like, if you're trying to lower me into like the, you know, 20,000 league style ooh. where it's all pitch black. No, no, never happening. Yeah. Never happening. Hell no. I don't know. Somehow, even with the clear water, somehow I have this creepy feeling that I would be like, so loving all of seeing all of the beautiful creatures and then just some dark shadow. Oh just like, God. I'm going to have a nightmare about that tonight. And then it would just be like, right. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make oh. a um, All right. What's number one? Okay. Number one, definitely by far. And keep in mind, I grew up in the South. Yeah. Is civil war ghosts. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is true. I'm not, I don't want to see ghosts in general, but civil war ghosts. Because I grew up in Georgia. My parents legit live like 20 minutes from Kennesaw Mountain now, which was a battlefield. I've been to many a Civil War museum on school field trips. Nothing is scarier than that. It's like the war happened here. They've got to be the most pissed off ghosts in history. I've been to the Cyclorama in Georgia where they have in framed like glass frames, you know, uh, 
uniforms with bullet holes, blood stains where the they had to saw limbs off. Like yeah. that was very regular practice. Like how mad would a ghost be coming back? Like I had my leg sawed <laughs> off. I am pissed. So I'm hopping around. But I mean, we're ghost. having, but we're but we're having a real conversation about this. My question is: Are you afraid there might be civil war ghosts, or are you certain that there are civil? War I'm ghosts? pretty certain. If you go to certain places in Georgia. That ha- and that's the other so thing you too. believe in the supernatural. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm proposing. To I feel you. I'm telling you that you believe in the supernatural. Look, I've never seen. Part of me wants to be like, of course I don't. How dumb! But if you go, there are so many places in Georgia with those historical like markers. You know what I'm saying? Like on the side of roads where it's like the battle of whatever was fought here, and ten thousand dudes died. Now they're really pissed off and probably walking around this field. Like those are so common in georgia and there are times that you're you, telling me that the signs themselves say there are probably yeah. some angry <laughs> no but ghosts. i'm just saying they you were of be... angry and then it's spelled like this g dash g dash d dash ghosts totally like scooby-doo yep no i just there are areas where you go and you're like this does not feel right there are certain houses there are houses in georgia you know where they have like a fireplace in the live in the bedroom where you're like this is totally a civil war house civil war people lived here and like it just feels weird and wrong and you feel an energy yeah i mean i can't say because i know some people who have said you know i've seen a ghost or i have seen right me too and i i mean i want to be like no of course they're not ghosts, but i've never seen one i've i think there are things out there we can't explain yeah i know people yeah personally who are like oh yeah i've seen ghosts and i don't think they're liars but because I guess my question, I'd be more scared coming, of the civil war ghost than yeah. a non civil war ghost. I just it, the, the fear that you have is so specific and so strong that one might assume that it was because you literally had an experience. No, you'd I mean, one, no, no, the no. Fear of maybe encountering one is. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see any ghost of any variety in any sort of uniforms. But I'm just saying, specifically, civil war ghosts to me. Growing up where I grew up and having that be such a part of the history of the place i lived it's extra scary to me for some reason yeah but no i don't want to see any ghosts of any stripes but, and in general we, which we said you don't really like being afraid like you don't like going i'm to not see into movies. it at i was all. gonna ask you to see cabin in the woods and then i was like what am i talking oh my god about? my Why ex ask her my now ex was yeah. he saw that too and was so jazzed about it. i was like oh you gotta see it that was he was always annoyed i never wanted to see horror movies and i'm like i don't i don't enjoy being scared i just don't yeah i like being comfortable yeah what movies, able to sleep what movies uh what kind of movies do you do you, i'm not i guess that's i like all kind. i i like all kinds of movies like, uh is there something that comes out that gets you super like is it there is there like where you're like oh, i'd love to go see a good documentary or oh, i love documentaries yeah. i love john waters movies like growing up i was obsessed with john that waters also sense right? i had a pen pal in baltimore talk about androgyny and we and would that talk sort of oh stuff. i loved it yeah. and like the camp of it and all that kind of stuff um Ah, yeah. I love documentaries. I love. I yeah. I, that's a hard. I do. I just like. I'm the kind Listen, of. I, I don't have an answer to that either. If someone asked me, I'd be like, "What do you mean? I just like movies." I go see everything. I really do. From I mean, I still go see like Adam Sandler movies, dude. I'll go see anything except really horror movies. I I, I as far as genres go, I don't know because I like. I mean, I even like action movies. I like everything. My favorite movie of all time is Hairspray. That's my favorite. The OG Hairspray. I've never seen the original oh my God, Hairspray. It's my favorite. It's my, I, it was one of those movies where I rented it so many times growing up. My mom put her foot down and was like, I'm not paying to rent this again. Right. Like, there's no way. Could, you couldn't just buy it. 
Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> like every we had a thing like family style. Like every week we'd go to Blockbuster or whatever. I get to pick right. something out, and after like the twentieth week, my mom's like, "I'm not paying for you to rent that movie again. Like it's not happening. Pick That's something true. else." The twentieth time to rent it, you could have easily owned probably totally. two copies. Of yeah, it. but I, I think, don't. You know what? I don't. It's funny. I didn't really understand John Waters movies. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing them and having friends show me them and be like, isn't this fantastic? And I right. just didn't. It's not that I didn't like them. I just was like, yeah, but it didn't. They didn't really speak to me the way I'm trying to think of of, of what I mean. I was just like obsessed with Harold and Maude. I just oh, yeah, that. I mean, like like many teenagers or like many people. I would just watch that movie over right, and right. over and over and over. Again. I think with John Waters, I just identified another. We- I was like, oh, this guy's weird like me and likes weird stuff. And yeah, let's it let's his freak flag fly kind he of does. thing that is a tough stanza i mean that's a yeah it's weird even saying this out loud because i didn't feel that i didn't feel like a freak in high school i really didn't i mean like i said i knew i liked things other people i knew didn't like but it was never yeah it didn't like destroy me i still could hang i thought I still just love the image of you hastily writing, like handwriting all those letters to pen pals oh my and God. stuff. And Constantly is the best. But I met, I made so many good friends I, and I met so many people. I met all my, I've met almost all my heroes. They're all great. Like I've had too much good luck. Like, you know how people like you shouldn't meet your heroes. Like I've Billy Bragg is a good friend of mine. Now I've met Jarvis Cocker from pulp several times. The last time I saw him, he was like, Hey April, how's it going? And I almost had a heart attack. Like I've just been so lucky and that everybody I've admired and met has been cool. That is great. And I have talked about that a couple of times on on the podcast with people who are like, I never want to meet. And I've said it. I've like, I'm never, I see. And that was the thing is that I, it sounds psycho though. Like looking back to there are times where I'm like, Oh man, I can't believe I did. Like I am the kind of person that is such a fan of people and is so into them that, and this is what probably people who murder people say, but I feel like, <laughs> like I want to be friends. Like I'm literally like, we would be friends. Like I know we would yeah. be friends and I swear to God, that's probably what people say before they go show up and assassinate somebody. I but think about that too, but there are people I really that I thought, just felt you know, that I mean, like I felt I have felt that about people and been right as right. as have you. You know, I mean, there are people yeah, who are very been, lucky to be in this for me to be in this business and to feel like, oh, I wouldn't. You know, I don't right. know that I would have known that Bruce McCullough and I would be so close. Right, and I'm and so lucky. Yeah, and all that does is feed further. Like once yeah. a couple of times, you're like, well, clearly. So uh, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but like my sort of number one person like that is Emma Thompson. Like I'm so sure that Emma Thompson and I would be dear friends. And every time I think that even to myself, I'm like, yep, you're psychotic. Uh, No, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, there, I got to say there, I do have some horror stories of people that I would write like Morrissey fans. I'd write to who I would be like, you're a weirdo. Like I can't (laughs) like as uh, to where I'd step back and be like, as much as I am into this guy, like you need help. Yeah. There were a few people where I'm like, oh, this is why people think that that's fanatics so hard. are weirdos. It's so hard to know. Like, I met this How one pen pal. You, you know, that's just what you said. Like, if you didn't, if you were, thought that maybe could be true about yourself or that it could come off that way yeah, to you, the, then the, those people are just thinking, you know what I mean? It's so confusing. It is. And there were times where I had to step back. I mean, I've been extremely lucky for the most, like, totally lucky, great friends, whatever. But I did have this one pen pal come visit who I knew solely through Morrissey and we had traded Morrissey zines and she came to stay with me in Atlanta uh, when we went to see Morrissey and it was the worst experience of my life. And not only was she just like a rude person, like she just was rude and had no manners and was not very friendly, but she t- 
talked about Morrissey as if they were friends and would say things, you know, would just be like, do you think he likes me? And do you think that if I did like to where I'm like, I, okay, uh, I thought you Yikes. are making me feel ashamed that I'm into this guy because yeah, what are you talking about? And she was way older than me too. I mean, I was like 17 or 18 and she was at the time like 23 or something. And so I'm, I was like, you're supposed to be an adult. <laughs> like oh, you, no. if anything, I'm supposed to be talking like this and you should be talking sensitive to me. And yeah, so that was a little wake up call where I'm like, wow, I bet there are people who think I'm a total weirdo. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's still true today. I mean, it absolutely is true that people still think I'm weird that I, cause I'm going to go see him twice this month. I mean, I still go see him all the time and people my age are definitely like, what, who cares? But yeah, that, I did have a couple of experiences just with people where I'm like, wow, okay, I now I see why the outside world thinks I'm a total nutbag. You know what I mean? So, oh, man. I've tried to temper it a little bit, but I mean, I keep a lot of it to myself. People come to my apartment, though, and it's still wall-to-wall records and framed pictures of, you know, Damon Albarn and Jarvis Cocker and stuff, and they're like, what? Okay. Like, I really, I went on one date with this guy one date and i made the mistake of letting him in oh no yeah like when he came to pick me up to the shrine yeah and i was like just brushing i was like oh i just got brush teeth whatever and i let him in and he didn't call i was like okay like i think that was it i think he was for real like what is going on and then but at the same time i guess it just goes back to what i love about you which is that you just are kind of unapologetically who you are and and um, and I think that's one of the reasons I was so excited for you to do the podcast is I just think you're sort of, it's that you're an example of somebody who it's not necessarily about like, look, you may not know who you are yet. Um, but you can get there, but you, but, but just as kind of stand as a standing example of like, sometimes you know who you are and you just stay that person and, and it does, has nothing to do with arrested development. It's about developing earlier, understanding yourself early and that authenticity Plus, is so Plus I just so like to like to stuff. I like to and like stuff. And I love stuff. that, yes. You know I what love, I mean? I love that you're passionate and you're enthusiastic and that you, that, that I, I just encourage everyone to, you know, you can't manufacture that if it's not real, but like don't be afraid to sort of really don't dip a toe in like if yeah, you just, like if you like it you like just it get in there and yeah. get it all over you and <laughs> figure out why if you want to why it's so appealing and i just it's 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 exciting i think it's um i think it's exciting and inspiring i'm always so excited and inspired even not like i said like your love of morrissey frankly doesn't change how i feel about him because i just feel he's fine like oh yeah right. Um, but your enthusiasm towards him is infectious in a way that it makes me excited to be excited about what I like. Right. And I just think that's cool that it's like communicable. In oh, I'm that the same way. way. You know, I, I love mean? meeting people. If I meet somebody and they don't like any of the stuff I like, but they're jazzed about their stuff. I'm like, yeah. I'm so on board with that. Yeah. I mean, that's something too, that I've found the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't care what you like really, as long as you're super into it and you know a lot about yeah. it, then that's appealing to me. And I want to hear you talk about it because I like hearing other people be psyched about stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's what I want to what, what leave this episode with is, <laughs> yes. is, uh, is get don't, psyched. don't, yeah, get psyched. Don't be afraid to be jazzed. Celebrate what you're, what you're jazzed about and, uh, and be unabashed about it. Um, right April. on. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Back.
as always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 